I don't know, just a happy place. And it, I think it reinvigorated or continued to reinvigorate me to, to get to the POFU and to have that financial freedom and to go out there and spend potentially months at a time, that is, out in a world-class place to ride my bicycle and be around fun, happy people. Hey, player. Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Blake. We're Thanks. back. Thanks for stopping by here at the uh, Studio 1164. It's been a while, Jerry. I don't know how long it's been, but you know, I, we're getting emails, we're getting all this fan mail, getting questions. I mean, it's exhausting being this popular. Woo! It is. It is. But before we jump into that, we got to do some housekeeping. I don't know. I, I can't, we got to get caught up. In fact, I think this is going to be the get caught up episode because a lot has happened since we last recorded, which I think was September 21st. Episode that was the last 20, time we recorded. Episode 22 was the last time we recorded. That is correct, but that was on September 21st. Let's have a little cheers. Oh, hey. What are we drinking today, We've player? We've got some uh, to the mules. It's like to the, to the, the last of the summer. Are you going to explain mm-hmm. why we're drinking mules instead of our normal whiskey? Well, I would, but then OD would be offended because, you know, we haven't, we, our supplier hasn't dropped off. You know what? Ownership, player. Take ownership. This is not OD's fault. This is Jeremiah's fault for this, not going and picking up some whiskey. This is Hoss's fault for drinking my whiskey during the Michigan Michigan State game, Wait. which the Spartans did. We're victorious. Yeah, who won that game? Yeah. Enough yeah. said. I think it was the refs, though. Refs took it away from Michigan. Those oh, poor yeah. Guys. Oh, they're terrible. I love that. Well, hey, cheers. Cheers. Cheers for the mules. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. Let's jump right in. Episode twenty-three. Twenty-three. I got a list of uh, things that I want to make sure we touch on. Eight. Uh, all the listeners out there, I understand that the episode's twenty-three sucks because Hoss is managing the agenda, so don't take it personal. No, it's the only reason it's going to be good. Uh, it's his like as he has his black book out, like he's going to call one of his multiple ladies. No, it's a couple things I wanted to touch on. Oh, so the last time we recorded episode twenty was our episode where we gave, you know, the unfortunate stories of the people in our lives or close to us that either passed away or had some bad medical diagnoses. Yes. We did not mention names on one particular individual, Miss Lindsay Williams, the beautiful wife of our of our boy, Nathaniel. T- we Arthur. had not mentioned names because they had not made it public at that point, so I didn't want to breach that. Uh, but the very next day, uh, Lindsay went and put it on Facebook, and so it was well known that she was going, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she had to have... You know, the double mastectomy and a big, big procedure. And what I wanted to touch on was we hadn't been able to report yet that that procedure went fantastically. Success. She had an awesome diagnosis afterwards. They got all of it, thankfully, just in time because it was according to the, to the, it was it radiology or pathology. It was, it was really close to being pretty bad, uh, but they caught it in time. They got it all out. So cheers to you, Lindsay. Lindsay. We are so excited that you're doing well. That's right. And uh, hell, hell, it's more than a month now since the surgery. You're yeah, pretty and, close to it. And uh, recovery. She's back on the bike. Back at spoke, back killing exercising. it, exercising. That's right. You know, and and that would be um, if some of the people see some pictures this year of uh, some different colors in our bicycle kits. We got some pink on there representing uh, breast cancer and uh, breast cancer awareness. So. Uh, kudos to her and the family that uh, went through some trauma, we'll call it. And uh, I hope they're on the other side. Uh, well, they are on the other side, but that I means going through the trauma and whatnot. But I think we should dovetail the, the Williams right into, uh, maybe we could start right into some of the, the takeaways from that. You know, Nathaniel and uh, Lindsay have decided to uh, 
go to the next level and buy some real estate. They have. And go ahead. They did. That was like celebratory. I think really, I think the takeaway from that was like, you know, life is short. You got to live. So uh, I, we congratulate them. As of today, as of right now, they have closed on their first piece of real estate. Uh, they are going to uh, up north at uh, Crystal Mountainish, and uh, it's I don't gonna, think it's Crystalish. Uh, this is a uh, I'm sorry, Shush Mountain. Yeah, up closer the, to Torch Lake, right in the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> they, they are going to have a. We're going to put a plug in for them. They're going to have a VRBO up there if you're looking for a place to rent. And uh, also, it's going to be a family establishment where they're going to grow their family. And, and, and one of these days, it'll be paid off via uh, the vehicle of helping with, you know, VRBO. And, and um, we're going to live happily ever after with someone paying uh, their, uh, hopefully someone pays their mortgage for them, right? Makes, pays the expenses. Yeah, it's a good way to loop it in. Our last episode, 22, when we talked about short-term rentals, we had... We talked about Nathaniel and his situation because he's buying this place not only to use for his family, but he's also going to rent it out, as you said, and um, and ideally have everything paid for from renters, if not more. And so we also talked quite a bit about our boy Brian Kuiper, who emailed us in. He's our, our new fanboy. Oh, and hey, B. Kuiper. Hey, Kuiper. Thanks right. for the message. So he actually listened to episode 22, and he had some follow-ups that I wanted to touch on those as well. Yeah, but well, let's let's hold off on that. Let's just, I mean, uh, my concern about the Kuipers is a couple things, right? And him and his brother, you know. First of all, his <laughs> his broheem shows up for one Grattan last year, and, and you know, he did pretty well. He sat in, sat in, and then had a little sprint on him. That's He's it. a sprinter. He's a sprinter. He's a sprinter. You know? What do you he want is, from him? He just held on. You know, and then, you know, B. Kuiper, all he does, he, does, he doesn't come at Grant anymore. So first and foremost, I want to congratulate you on your, your VRBO, but I also want to call you out for man, not manning up last year and stopping by Grant. I detect a little salt over there, Jerry. No salt. I think you're a little salty. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I, I in Kuiper's email, oh, I got to find this. I wish I had my highlighter uh, with me. You know, I, I there's no salt here, but I would like to you know if oh. he wants to man up, I'll I'll ride I'll ride mano y mano with the boys and lead out. Hold on, hold on, go on. <laughs> and I quote: "This is why Jerry's all salty right now because Brian Kuiper writes in, and he was talking about hitting his goals. He said I should probably have clarified my goals, like Ben's goal of beating Jeremy at Gretton. My goal was very achievable and a rather low bar." <laughs> <laughs> right, but achievable. That's his point. What he's saying right there is you you beating me is like not really achievable. I think what he was saying. He's saying the exact opposite. He's saying it was erroneous. Very, beating you is very easy. Erroneous. <laughs> and you know what? This Brian Kuiper guy, I'm telling you, he's my favorite because he gets it, Jerry. He uh, gets it. Ah, anyway. Um So, yeah, Brian had some good comments in his in his follow-up uh, so why don't, why don't we t- tell the tell the uh you know let's let's go full circle and kind of tell build if, if they missed episode 22 why don't you kind of bring it full circle real quick of a of a brief synopsis of a 22 was and what why this uh is important brian's follow-up so episode 22 we talked about short-term rentals which i guess was even a follow-up to episode 21 when we talked about long-term rentals and evaluating those sure so we got into some examples. We I think we we I think we missed the mark a little bit in 22 on a couple of things. So what you asked for, you know, a brief summary. We talked about uh, some of the caveats of short-term rentals, some of the lookouts for short-term rentals. But we we talked about the differences of short-term versus long-term. You know, the the short-terms typically are going to have higher rents, but they're going to have higher turnover and, and probably more expenses. Where I think we might have missed the mark a little bit was we gave sort of a fictitious fictitious example i always struggle every time i say fictitious example 
we talked about, you know, you mentioned, uh, you, you talked about a property that could rent for 300 bucks a night. And we were talking about, you know, making eight or nine grand a month in revenues where Brian wrote in and said, Hey, pump the brakes a little bit as I think we overshot the ability to keep a short-term rental rented that frequently, especially given the seasonality, especially here in Michigan. Now, if you're in a place like, uh, like a Nashville, you probably, you know, could justify way more nights rented out than you can up here in Michigan, where you're either on the water and your season is the summer, or if you're near ski hill, you know, it's the winter, or if you're near a a mountain bike course, you know, or trail, it's going to be summertime or maybe a little bit of fall and spring. Yeah, but let me hold you up. Let me interject there one second. So I think we made some assumptions that this thing was uh, the rental we and the assumption we made during that was just a simple mathematics, but it was going to be rented quite frequently. And we, um, we assumed that it was uh, a in a location at which uh was near mountain bike trails was near golfing in the summertime was the color tour in the in the fall it was near a downhill ski facility or something to that effect so i think i don't disagree with 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 um ryan's assessment yeah pump the brakes i'm i'm in agreement i think what he was saying was there i think we we're a little too aggressive with our assumptions when we assumed the moon and the stars and he's saying just hey you need to look at it as it's probably going to be rented. I don't know what he put in that in our email, like 20, 30, 40% of the time. It's, it's much lower than you forecast. Notwithstanding, it's location driven. For sure. So what that's I think the, that's the takeaway. Yeah, I think I, but I think what I wanted when I was referring to is, is go back. So Brian Kuiper, by the way, uh, folks, if you didn't uh, listen to episode 22, uh, uh, Brian has a purchased a, a VRBO type uh, facility up, up near it's a, a house. Yes, but it's also on some <laughs> acreage, it sounds like. Where it's on, he, I think he said, 10 acres in the woods right? that he uses for he and his family and right. also rents it out. And he does three-night stays. So he's got people that'll come. It's probably a Friday, Saturday, Sunday or somewhere or thereabouts. Three, three minimum, sure. Yep. He does three-night stays, and that gives him time to sometime during the week to run up and do the turnover, you know, the cleaning and getting the, the beds made and all that. And that works for him. So he doesn't have management expenses. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No. no I think so, at, at the end yeah. of the day, all, all we're referencing is kind of giving Brian's, kind of bring it full circles with Brian's history and Brian's first um, purchase, I guess we'll call it, regarding this VRBO model. And, he's, and, he, and he has found that it, it can be, it can meet expectations is the point. I don't think, you know, I think like Brian said, he's not going to get rich off it, but some Someone's going to help with some of the, you know, with renting, it's going to help with some of the variable costs. I don't think he's going to, it's not going to pay for everything all day long, but it's going to, it's certainly going to help. And, but his ultimate goal was to buy a facility for his family to hang out at. And others have found a, a facility near a mountain bike trail on, or on 10 acres for serenity. They found that enjoyable just like he has. So he can monetize that. I wouldn't say slightly, but he can monetize it to the point where it can create a win-win. Yeah, so to quote Brian in his follow-up email, it says, My goals for the cabin were to never cost me any money to operate it and have a place full of great times and memories for my family and friends. And so, in order for him to break even on this particular property, he needed 30 nights rented in the summer. 30 30 nights? 30 nights for him to break even. That's 30 nights break even for, we said never cost him. Correct. So, 30 nights, that math doesn't, doesn't work. How do you figure? Not to cost him anything. So we all, he's paying, what is that 30 nights paying for? Everything. You tell me it pays for his rent? 
He doesn't specify, but right. he says to never cost me money to operate. I look at it just as variable cost on that. I don't think it can be a fixed cost too. It doesn't okay. matter. I mean, I, well, I'm not, I'm not going doesn't matter. that matter. Right. Point is, is he set a goal and right. he hit his goal. Right. And it's very achievable. So that was his, his first, well, uh, his, his comment on episode 21, 22 rather, was that we need to pump the brakes a little bit on assuming that you could rent a place out for 300 bucks a night. Now, obviously, it you know, varies by the property, location, all that good stuff. Right. Uh, but the assumption that it could be rented out every night is probably really overzealous. And he said that if he were to look at another one, uh, he would probably run his numbers with assuming 100 nights occupancy on the high end. 100 out of 365. Right. I, I think, we're, and also what he's saying, is it's not, the what he's doing uh, and managing it himself and driving up and cleaning it, it's not scalable. I mean, you can't just add another one, another one, another one, and expect to be able to manage all those and clean them all and, and have a day job, lack of a better term, right? Yeah. I mean, at some point, you're going to need some management in there. Right. And the cleaner and the little things that sounds like he's doing right now, which is manageable today. But if you try to scale it, he would he would struggle with it. Yeah, to, to scale it for sure. I, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable, you know, especially early on. If you want to give up weekend times or nights, you know, to go and do it yourself, I think that's fine. I think a lot of people a lot of people would uh, would grind like that early on. But right. you know, I have no idea, you know. Once you hit scale, is it what five properties, ten properties? I have no idea. Right. Well, first of all, I think we should we should thank Brian for his. Uh, first of all, you are Brian. You are a superstar. You've made the podcast. It's your your first and maybe your only one for that matter. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to downplay his game a little bit. But I mean, it won't be based on his biking. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, yeah, I I like his model. I, li- I like where his head is. I think that he he set his goal, and I think he set his goal is was definitely achievable. So I give Brian all the kudos for that. An older brother, Kuiper, Geoff, spelled with a G, I believe, he actually has a duplex also. But I think what they're, you know, so they do have the, the, the real estate mindset. I think that um, the, you know, as I talk with them a little bit about, they're, they're really focused on paying off debt and having zero debt and things like that. So they're not really using leverage of real estate to go big. I think they're just looking at it as a... Uh, uh, achieve some short-term goals not, or, or just just goals of, of being less leveraged, which yeah. which is no, nothing wrong with that. I want to make sure that's very, very clear. Um, but there is power and leverage too, which we've talked about in many episodes. They can look at that too. But overall, um, yeah, I mean, something as simple as paying, you know, paying off a duplex, making a couple thousand a month, I'm, I'm assuming, or a thousand dollars a month. I mean, that can take you a long way, right? Pay for your kid's college, um, you know, that kind of stuff. It can, you know... Um, pay off your current house. I mean, it's all kinds of things you can do with it. So kudos to those two for, uh, for doing it. Yes, sir. I'd probably challenge them to go bigger with it, but that's just, that's just depending on what your goals are. Right. Yeah. The, the last thing I'll, I'll talk about, uh, Brian's follow-up to us was, uh, he, he thought we gave, or I gave the Airbnb and VRBO websites a little bit too much credit. I had mentioned that, that I, I thought that Airbnb and VRBO would be a, a data source for like rental comps. And I think I had heard that from, from my buddy Chandler, who has a bunch of Airbnbs in Nashville, and maybe that market, maybe it does work there. But uh, Brian seemed to think that those websites were not real accurate with the data. Okay. And and it's probably, I'm guessing, maybe a product of being up in Nuevo as well. I would think maybe. Uh, but I guess the point is, is that don't uh, if you're looking at this, don't rely on the accuracy or the amount of data from the VRBO and the Airbnb websites. Yeah, but it sounds like Brian did some due diligence too, and he went around the different sites and did some math and figured out what the, what the numbers were. So yep. 
I mean, there are, there are some there is some power and data there that he actually data mined himself. So, kudos to him for uh, figuring that out. Really, those websites—they're just they're marketing, is what they are, and they help get your places leased and and they provide visibility, uh, but really not much beyond that. They're not definitely not a management company, right? Which we touched on last episode. Uh, they do not handle any of the cleaning or any of the repairs or any of that stuff. They are their marketing and communications company. Well, that's interesting you say that because um, it kind of goes back to the conversation you and I had earlier today. The middleman gets paid. <laughs> so yeah, Well, they're doing it right. Brian Kuyper, thank you. Uh, good stuff overall. Congratulations on your uh, VRBO, and we wish you best of luck with uh, uh, if it continues to uh, not only meet but exceed your expectations and goals. Yeah. You know, I actually uh, mentioned that to Kristen this morning when we we're talking about different investment ideas. I, I said, you know, what about what about buying a place and renting it out? As we talked about it in uh, in in our last episode, like my wheels have been spinning on this short term rental thing. Like, I, I like the idea. I like it. I, I'll be completely uh, transparent and blunt. Uh, you know, as a um, I'm very blessed to have that my my family owns owns a uh, lakefront property. And I watch a, a property that's about three to five cottages down to our down to, from us, and the cottages sleeps like fifteen on the water. And I watch them just absolutely turn and burn this place. Meaning, I don't know what they rent it for, but I think it's in the three hundred dollar a night range. Our lake is um, it's okay. I wouldn't call it the greatest lake in the world regarding sand bottom and and uh, all that stuff. But it's a very nice lake. It's a little bit weedy in, in certain areas and such. But but they I watch this place, and they're just printing money on this place. And it's water. It is. And people, they have a dock and, and such a lot. I mean, all the kids are always jumping and playing in the water. People bring their boats. You know, I've heard of different VRBOs. People talk about, you know, buying a, a, a pontoon boat and throwing that in as another option to rent for the that week. That was Kuiper's idea. Yeah, another 500 bucks, whatever the number is. So, I mean... Uh, kudos to him, you know, overall, but m- my point there is there's money to be made, right? For sure. And uh, I like it. Now, for me, uh, for me being biased and personal, I mean, I don't see the value in it for me right now because I have a, I mean, I have a place to go. Yeah, you already have a cottage. Yeah, so if I didn't have one, I would def- I wouldn't think twice. I mean, you, the difficulty is and in- is, okay, first of all, lakefront properties have, have gone up in price, but that's fine, right? So is rents. So they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, what are your goals with it? Are you just going to be a, a place you can go to every so often, or is it you want to make money off it? I mean, what what are your goals? So I, I like the model. To be honest with you, I think that it's 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 got a much higher ceiling of returns than tr- than long term rentals do. I I truly believe that. So I, I don't think you can go wrong with it. Is my point. Well, so so I mean, I guess one of us has to buy one. So what we've been talking a lot about it. What I'm hearing is you're you're just kind of tripping over there. You gonna do something about it or not? Uh, I don't know. See, I I, I waver because I love the idea, but as we've mentioned many times on this here podcast, I am looking for hands off mailbox money, and Airbnb is anything but hands off. Though I don't disagree with you, but I would challenge you to say though. But now this is a little bit different. So now you're, at, are you really looking to make money on this, or are you looking to cover your costs? For a place for you to go to. I want to make money. Well, then I don't think it's for you then, to be no. honest with you. No, I mean, I like the idea of having a place to go, like what like what Nathaniel's doing with his place. Especially now, with the age my kids are, and sports, and, you know, extracurriculars. Having weekends to go, even in the summer, like the weekends are so few and far between. Of course, you know, I mean, my weekends are already cut in half, because I only have my kids half the time. So, And then with the weekends, the 26 weekends that are left over... I swear, dude, over the course of a year, there's probably like four or five weekends that we could actually go that we that we could 
right? And I'm not saying we would even go all of them. So I just don't think I would use it enough, to be honest with you. So I think this is where the power of VRBO comes into play. Because for a guy like you, just how you defined it, you don't have very many weekends. But when you do, you want to, you know, you want to enjoy it. So you're the you're the perfect candidate to go rent a place for 300 bucks that that a night that is that that uh, houses or sleeps 15 on the water somewhere that can rent all those things. You are a perfect candidate for that because then quite frankly, I'm sure you're willing to pay it. I mean, to pay the two grand plus the boat fee, whatever it is, another 500 bucks, whatever for for $3,000, it's more economical for you to rent a place for one week than it is to try to buy one and deal with it and deal with it and rent it for, uh, you know, the others in my opinion. Jeremiah, let me tell you something. Go on. I see your logic. Yep. But based on that logic, you are even a more prime candidate than I am because you would never use it, and so you could rent it all the time. I know, but then but then the problem with that is then just like the reason I got out of, of long-term rentals, no one manages like I would, and I, can't, I couldn't disconnect. And that's what I said. I, don't, I want hands off. Uh, I don't want it. It's not for me. I, I mean- Not ruling it, it out. It is It is for me, but it's not for me, right? Uh, yeah. You know, I got I have a, I already have a couple places I have to take care of now, let alone- my parents do a great job with that, by the way, uh, let alone adding another one to my list. All right. We need to wrap up this this conversation. It's sort of a a, <clears throat> a bolt on to our last episode. Normally, we start off the episodes with some pleasantries and we chat it up and then we, d- we jump into the finance. But today, I think we're going to do it a little bit in reverse because we jumped right into the short term rentals. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple things we got to cover. Go on. Before we wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. Number one. Yesterday, we had a birthday in the family. Huge. Tell big, me about it. Bigger than big. Well, my child, he's sleeping right now. That little furball. Little furball Tito turned three dog ears yesterday. So, Oh, happy birthday, Tito. Happy birthday, Tito. Cheers, Cheers to, Tito. to Tito. Okay. Okay. So Tito's birthday. Yep. And uh, and I forgot it. I don't have it in my calendar. Well, his mother forgot it too. <laughs> Was she even home for his birthday? Negative. Oh, Shea Bug. Well, we're bugless tonight. Mm-hmm. She's not even in the house. So it's a good time to record. He sure is. All right, Tito's birthday, big family birthday. The other thing I want to talk about is our San Diego trip. Oh, wait, no, we got two more things to talk about. San Diego. Tell us about San Diego. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, the, the Equity Street boys for a, a fun, phenomenal trip. So and who's myself, myself, Ben Blake the third, <laughs> and Jeremiah went out to San Diego to do some bike riding and to meet with our, our uh, investment partner, uh, Equity Street Capital, and Equity Street Capital is who we utilize as our vehicle for syndications. And I would, uh, if you're interested in them, Google them. Equity Street Capital, Google, whatever. dot com hashtag. Look them up. And um, they're a phenomenal partner of ours. And uh, Ben's got some history with them, being uh, college football um, brohemes, and then uh, dovetailing that into some some work together, some partnerships, and then now we're have another partnership. We'll call it uh, in the fact that uh, we like to invest with them, and they do a phenomenal job. And uh, Paul, Than, and Conrad, great meeting you, gents. It was phenomenal going out there. They have a nice operation. We actually walk their facility, and it's you know sometimes Ben, it's it's especially when you're removed uh, from it. Where they are located in San Diego, obviously here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Home of the Mighty Pioneers. That's the East, the East Grand Rapids, that is. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes you look at it as like, are these guys legit? I see them, I see them on the podcast or, or the, the, the cast or di- different opportunities. I'm like, are these guys legit? The webinars. The webinars, yes. And actually going to their facility, walking around, putting some eyes on them, getting a feel for them. 
I wouldn't say I was pleasantly surprised, but it was one of these deals where I was uh, I was impressed with the operation. Small but nimble, I would call it. And I liked the, you know, the conversations we had with them. They're definitely in tuned. Uh, they get it overall. And um, and I see them as our as our vehicle and as our and our future partnership for uh, for a while yet, which uh, I made it very clear to them. I need I need three to five more years out of them to keep <laughs> that going. And I I told each and every one of them, thank you and keep it keep it trucking. Yeah, I'll add on to that a little bit. So if you remember way back in episode three when we did our Meet the Hosts episode, I, I gave a very long story about a couple of my college football teammates, Than Merrill and Conrad Sapelnikow, and they started this real estate company flipping houses out in Connecticut. And I had the opportunity to go out and work with them in the mid-2000s and learned a ton about real estate. Well, uh, And Paula Sajan is the third head of that three-headed monster. They're the three owners. Uh, Paul is a high school friend of Than, and I got to know uh, Paul real well out there. And of course, uh, my buddies Than and Conrad, we already had a history together. So anyway, these guys, they took their house flipping business and moved it from Connecticut all the way out to San Diego, and then spun the house flipping business, which they still have, by the way, into an education company teaching people how to flip houses, and then really spun that into Equity Street Capital which is what we've been talking about in Equity Street Capital, is their arm or their business where they've been buying real estate, very large pieces of real estate. In fact, I think it was about six months ago, they just went over the billion-dollar mark of assets owned. And as we've mentioned many times on this show, they are the guys where we have uh, invested with, and they're the ones that are doing the syndicating of these large properties. And, and Jeremiah and I have been uh, partners and limited partner investors in a handful of these properties with them. And so... Paul, who I've kept in con- real close contact with, uh, especially through all these investments, he recently got into bike riding. Uh, he's, he's more into triathlons, but he's also into bikes, and and we've been talking for the better part of the last couple of years. Hey, let's get together and uh, talk some real estate and ride some bikes, and we talked and talked and talked about it, and we finally made it happen. So that was our trip out to San Diego. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, and man, it was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one on the bike riding. Oh my God, the scenery. The scenery, the the mountains and the oceans, and it's it got to be the the ongoing joke was every time you know about every two minutes we're riding down the road and be like hey hey look over the left it's the ocean, <laughs> and so number one bike riding was awesome phenomenal it's just a it's a very bike friendly community I mean big bike lanes everywhere you go on 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 the on the busy roads on the not so busy roads I mean it was just we felt safe I felt safe the entire time biking on the road. And we uh, we knocked out about 200 miles over the course of four days. But even better, we again we get to spend some time with the guys that we that we've entrusted a lot of our investment dollars to. And I and that's what I wanted to to tack onto your comments there, Jerry. Was you know anybody that you invest with, where you're trusting them with your money, it's it's important to to get to know them and have a relationship with them. And I, and I had the benefit of have, being friends with these guys for so many years. And so the trust factor for me was already built in. But for you, Jerry, you know, you kind of had trust by association, right? You had never met them. Agreed. You, of course, you'd, you'd seen them on the webinars, but you were taking my word for it. And I think that was probably good for you to go out there and actually, you know, see with your own eyes and, and shake their hands and get a chance to talk to them and see who they are as, as people and as businessmen. 
and uh, and it was just great all the way around. And it just reaffirmed my trust in these guys and that they're doing the right things and they're buying the right properties and they're making the right moves. And yeah, like you said, well, I'm going to continue to to ride their wave as long as they want to provide investment opportunities. And that was it, man. Yeah, great trip. So much fun. And uh, as Paul said, first annual. We got to do it every year, I think. Yeah, no question. You know, I, I think there's there's two things that also that I took away from um, from from the San Diego trip. First and foremost, you got to trust your trust the partnerships, right? And mine was partnered with your association, like Ben spoke of. But I mean, if you invest some some money with people, you want to trust them. And I and I have the utmost trust with those guys now, especially looking through their eyes and and see how and talking to them. And they weren't just like uh, they were definitely involved. They knew every investment. They could talk about numbers, but everything. And they understood it. And I was very impressed with that, that they were that involved. And they're like, damn, look, this one, this one, this one. And it was just like, they could they could just rip them off. And I don't know how many they own right now, but when you have a billion dollars worth, and you can talk about each one. I mean, it's uh, pretty interesting. And then secondly, I would, I would say, Ben, I had never spent much time or any time, I'm going to say much time, zero, that is, in Southern California. And um, San Diego is absolutely phenomenal. And I can see why those guys have moved out there from from uh, uh, Connecticut to San Diego. I know they are, they're actually from Northern California, but they moved to Southern. Uh, though the taxes are ridiculous in that area, uh, <laughs> or in general, when it comes to San, to uh, California. But my gosh, did I not want to come home? And I and not becoming coming home meaning the weather out there was phenomenal. The biking was world class. The people were just. I don't know, it's just a happy place. And it I think it reinvigorated or continued to reinvigorate me to to get to the POFU and to have that financial freedom and to go out there and spend potentially months at a time that is out in a world-class place to ride my bicycle and be around fun happy people. Dude, you hit the nail on the head. That's what it was for me coming back from that trip. My takeaway was, man, we got to do this like four or five times a year. Destination riding and that's what, again, like, that's what the POFU is all about. The freedom to do it whenever you want. Right. right. Like, so we said, man, we got it. Like, obviously I want to go back to San Diego. Definitely want to do that. But I'm like, Hey, let's go ride gravel in Georgia with iron Mike, or let's go, let's go to Colorado or let's go to Montana or let's go wherever. Uh, let's go to Europe and ride. I mean, like just to do it, you know, four or five times a year, that was perfect for me to go out and ride four days in a row. Right. We knocked out about 50 miles a day. That's about all these old lakes really wanted to handle. Right. Uh, I was I was I was ready to get off the bike about at that point. But man, that's what it was about. Just having the freedom to go whenever you want. You know, it was awesome because I in parallel with that, you know, we talk about the financial freedom and going. But, you know, every time that we you know, we rode a lot of time on the coast and and I've always had a, a keen eye for looking at different things. But how many sprinter vans did we see there with the surfers pulling piling out of there? Hundreds. I mean, they were just living this 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 YOLO kind of life. And it was such that they, I mean, they had enough, obviously enough money to buy a couple hundred thousand dollar Sprinter van, but they were, <laughs> but my God, they were living in it. I mean, and they were just like pulling up next to the, to the beach and just surfing for, I mean, it was this, the van was parked there again when he came by the second and third day. I mean, they were just living. So I give them all kinds of kudos, but not only that, but they were, they were living a, a life of um, almost like a minimalist, if you will. And they were content with what they had. And I would challenge our listener base to say, how do you do that? And I'm challenging myself. How do I get there? So, all good things, man. It was, it was, it was a good you know, taste overall. It was been it, it, you know, but you know, it, it tastes so damn good. I wanted more. Well, so that's it. Just to tack on talking about our boys from Equity Street Capital, 
probably our biggest, for me, probably the biggest question I get from listeners is they're asking for more information on about what a syndication is. They want some granular detail. They want to know what it is. How do you do it? Can I do it? All those types of questions. And we're going to dive into that in the next episode. In episode 24, we're going to go deep into syndications. So stay tuned and check it out. Check it, check, 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 check it out. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We would love it if you would subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at POFU Podcast. And as always, we would love for you to join us in our conversation. Send us an email at pofupodcast at gmail.com.